well, sorry about this, but you have a lot of me today, okay? So let's do this. Would you stand up and uh, grab your Bible as you're standing up and turn to Galatians chapter 5, okay? Just give you a stretch break here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Um, I want to take some time here and review. Verse 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. That's a good thing, isn't it? For freedom, Christ has set us free. And listen, we want to rejoice on that. We're kind of in this area of talking about this freedom reality and what's taking place. Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And then he implores us to stand firm on that. So you're standing, right? Now, what does it look like while you're standing to stand firm? Those of you who have been here for a little bit in the last couple of weeks, what's it look like? My wife. My wife. Remember? Okay, everybody stand firm position. Come on, come on, stand firm, okay? Listen, just standing like this, I could just come over and go dink, okay? And you're pushed over, but it's about standing firm on freedom. So we'll be standing firm on what? Okay, go ahead and grab a seat, all right? Standing firm on freedom. Uh, Key point we've been talking about is I have been called to freedom, the follower of Christ, the one redeemed in Christ has been called to freedom. Verse 13 in chapter 5, again Paul hits it, for you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called to freedom, sisters. Freedom, that, that being released from the tyranny and the condemnation of sin. It's in other words, now I get to be what God created me to be. I now, because of Christ, because of being redeemed, I get to do what God created me to do. And what am I supposed to be doing? We talked about this last week. We're just a review here. End of verse 13. But through love, serve one another. It's one of the things that that looks like now that I am in God's hands, redeemed out in God's hands, a child, adopted child of his, is that I get to love, serve others. And by the way, as we talked about, it's a command. It's not a, it would really be a good idea if. It's a command. You, follower of Christ, must be love serving others. It's a believer responsibility. It's, it's not a so often, is my church going to put together the program for me to love serve other people? You know, hey, I'm, I'm certainly not against those kinds of things, but sometimes we have the, this idea of, well, because I go to that church, they're doing that, therefore I'm doing that. No, no, no. This is about you and I having a responsibility, a sense that, listen, I've been called to be someone that loves, serves others. Uh, one note I want to make that I didn't hit well last week is it says, love, serve one another. Now, we're to love the world, we're to love our enemies, but here in this text, the big focus of this is believers loving unbelievers, followers of Christ loving on followers of Christ. And I just want to add, uh, um, that's one of the reasons around here, and one of the things that actually makes us unique out of most of the harvest plants is just in some of our serving structure that we have. We take this really serious. You know, Doug, Doug has this serving schedule just to fill slots, and he requires members to be on it, including children's ministries and other kinds of things. No, the reason for that is because of passages like Galatians 5.13. God has commanded us to be people that love, serve one another. That's what we should be doing. And I want to say, I'm just so grateful for the army of people who here love, serve on one another. It was happening this morning, watching people sweating, setting up, and watching people preparing and 
all kinds of things. I just am so grateful for you. And I just want to say, if, if Harvest Indy West is your church home and, and you aren't serving in some kind of a capacity here, I, I, I want to love you enough and just say, hey, it's time. Why? Because we need a slot filled? No. Because God's called us to be people that love, serve one another. That's one of the signs of my freedom in Christ. I get to do that now. Uh, verse 16, we covered last week as well. Uh, not only love serving others is what freedom in Christ looks like, but here in verse 16, but I say, uh, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the, the desires of the flesh. By the way, walk and you won't do this. We'll come back to that later on. My freedom call looks like love serving others and my freedom call looks like walking by the Spirit, walking. We talked about it. It's this progressive, it, progressing, advancing uh, a partnership. It's by the work of the Holy Spirit that I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit. I'm committing myself. I'm yielding my attitudes and my actions to glorifying God. It's kind of like this. Hey, follower of Christ, what were you doing today? Here's really part of what should be coming out. Love serving others and walking by the Spirit. Hey, what are you doing today? Love serving others and walking by the Spirit. I'm getting after that. Hey, what were you doing this week? I was love serving others and seeking to walk by the Spirit. Now, we realize as we talked about that this walk isn't just like tiptoe through the tulips. Oftentimes, this is like the wipeout zone. My favorite TV show that just started again this last week, which I was thrilled about. DVR, yeah, baby talked about the white buzz. Listen, the walk with Christ, as we saw in the text here, it talks about this. Verse 17, uh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. You see this battle? For those for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. It's the Romans 7 of Paul's talking about, I want to do what's right, but it's like I can't do what's right in this whole thing. And there is this thing going on, the flesh, my, my sinful inclination seeking to be expressed in me, my, my sin-bentedness, my habits of sin that I have within me, even as a saved believer, as a redeemed believer of Christ. And this, as I mentioned last week, praise the Lord for the battle. You see, oftentimes we look and go, oh, crud, I'm so tired of this battle. I want to do what's right, but it's like I can't do what's right. Here's the deal. Praise the Lord for the battle. Because the reality is that the person without Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, that text keeps coming up again over this whole series. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, and you were dead in your sins and your trespasses. Listen, the person without Christ is all flesh. There is no battle. It's an easy game. It's a flesh game. It's a spiritual dead game. Okay? But a person who receives Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is indwelt in them. They now have the Spirit of God with them within the, as well as this battle with the flesh. I now get to battle. Did you, are you with me? I get the opportunity to do this now. I get to have a battle. And frankly, it's part of a sign of my salvation in Christ that I get to have this battle back and forth. Uh, that's kind of summarizing up where we've come so far. Let's, uh, let's now turn to my lawn. Okay? I wish. <laughs> my lawn. I want to tell you that... Um, for me personally, I love beautiful lawns. Now, mine isn't like, you know, this. But there's just something for me. I love lawns. I love to have a nice lawn. 
I'm not crazy about it. I mean, like, insane about it, blowing up gophers and things like moles and things. But I will say this. I love green grass. There's something just a serenity, isn't it? Which, don't you just want to go out there and just, like, I don't even want a blanket. I just want to lay on that and roll around and just lay. It's just so peaceful looking and beautiful. Now, I have to add this. I am familiar with an ugly lawn. When I was a boy in elementary school in Columbus, Ohio area, um, we had the dorkiest lawnmower on the planet. You had to know my home, my dad. We were like chitty, chitty, bang, bang. It was just craziness. And we lived in a neighborhood, um, and we had this kind of the rotary type of mower, you know, where it turns over like this. And it had a motor on the back of it, not push. And this thing was like the most embarrassing thing. And it didn't cut the grass well. And our lawn had like these little bamboo shoots that came out of the ground. And this thing wouldn't cut them. And I literally remember in elementary school mowing the lawn. And two times I remember in specific, to this day, cars driving by and mocking me. (laughs) And literally laughing as they drove by. And I'm scarred by it to this day. I know what it's like to have an ugly lawn. And so that's not my desire to have an ugly lawn. My desire is to have a nice lawn, a a, a pretty lawn. But yet I will say this. It's interesting. If you have a yard, you know there's a battle of the weeds, right? It's like, where do those things come from? I don't plant them. And yet they keep coming. It's just in it. And it just keeps showing itself in those weeds. Well, we're going to come back to that later. Let's go to Galatians 5 some more in our text. Uh, Paul, he's continuing this walking by the Spirit instruction. Let's go to verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Let me hit a couple of these words. Paul, he says, now. By the way, did you notice I just said now? I just said, now Now let me... Okay, and in, so what I'm talking about when in the grammar that this is being used for, Paul's been talking, and so he kind of, this word sets it apart, and he's about to explain it in more. Now I'm about to say something, all right? So he's continuing with this right before. It's the flesh, the walk by the, walk by the spirit thing, and yet we have this deal of now he's going to start explaining. Now the works. Now in this term works, it's an effort thing. It's a laboring thing. When you think of works, you just think of what many of you are doing this morning, sweating, setting up, tearing down. That took work, took effort. It was labor and you were doing it to produce something, okay? So effort to produce. Now the works of what? Okay, I've got the works of the flesh, the works of the flesh. Now here's a statement. Non-living things produce non-living products. Non-living things produce non-living products. Uh, Machines produce lifeless parts. Uh, A punch press, it produces widgets, dead widgets, stamped metal widgets. A sewing machine, a sewing machine doesn't produce life. A sewing machine produces dead clothing, lifeless clothing. Injection molding machine, it produces things like little army men, but they're not alive. They're non-living. Non-living things make non-living items. That's the work of the flesh. Again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and you were dead in your sins and your trespasses. 
non-living things, though they may even be look nice, they are still non-living entities. And notice this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. So what does the flesh produce? What are the widgets that it produces? Well, they're evident. I mean, it's not a big mystery. The works of the flesh are evident. Paul now goes in and he gives this list of 15 lifeless widgets that the flesh cranks out. Here we go. You ready? You ready? All right, what's the first one? (laughs) Sexual immorality. The The Greek word is porneia. You know, the Bible's so irrelevant, and the Bible is just so um, afraid of addressing real-life issues. Are you kidding me? I mean, look, the, the first three here are what would be sensual, sexual evidences of the flesh. Uh, by the way, the other lists of flesh things generally start with sexual-orientated issues. Like, why is that? Because God knows the heart. And God knows the flesh heart. And it's, oh, I just love the fact, the honesty, the reality of the scripture. No messing around. Let's just get it out on the table. Number one, sexual immorality. It's illicit sexual activity. It includes adultery, homosexuality, prostitution, incest, pornography, and so on and so forth. Second one, impurity. The word literally means unclean. It was it was often used in the, the talking about a medical infection that became unclean. In the scriptures, this word is oftentimes used referring to an impurity of the heart that has connection with a, a, a sexual reality to it generally. It has to do with this, uh, uh, that which makes a person defiled before God. The third word, sensuality. It's a wanton appetite that knows no shame, primarily a sexual tone unrestrained sexual indulgence without concern. The next group is what I kind of call some religious, man-religious-based items. The next two, idolatry. Worshiping mad-made images of whatever sort. We generally think of an idol carved out of you know, stone or uh, 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 wood in uh, areas of the world where they'll bow down to it as though it's a god. But for us, it's more, it can also have to do with whatever we bow down to. Our homes, our cars, our checkbook, our uh, other people around us. Those really are the big ones for us. Warren Wearsby said, we're to worship God, love people, and use things. But too often, we use people, love self, and worship things. Idolatry. Next one is sorcery. This one's interesting. The word is pharmakeia, pharmacy. Many of the ancient occult practices used mood and mind-altering drugs in their religious practice, uh, their worship ceremonies of the day. Uh, These were very familiar to the area, so Paul is picking these out. He's saying, listen, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, These are all evidences of the flesh. These are the widgets that the lifeless flesh produces. The next list, kind of we could maybe call them relationship evidences. Enmity, hateful, defiant. Uh, Someone who has a challenging attitude to others like all the time. Strife, a a self-seeking ambition that, that increases division. Enmity builds strife. Another is jealousy. Jealousy really is a form of hatred. It's actually a resentment caused by coveting someone else, what they have. 
uh, who they are. Uh, fourth, it lists here, fits of anger, the sudden, unrestrained expressions of wrath. Uh, and then he goes into rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. And uh, look at the last two, uh, drunkenness and orgies. <laughs> Those kind of, especially the orgies one, kind of like, whoa, this is like, hold the kid's ears. Understand, but I want to say this, back in that day, this was a practice that took place at a lot of the religious uh, meetings of the day uh, for other gods and goddesses that were around. Paul was listing these not because these are things that are way out ridiculous, like uh, trying to blow your mind. Paul's listing these because these are things that the Christians in Galatia, the region, could understand. These are the kinds of things that are taking place. They've seen these, they're evident. We're down in verse 21. And things like these. So this is not uh, the full exhaustive list. This is a representative list of what's going on. In fact, there's other flesh lists in Scripture. Uh, Mark chapter 7 is one. Jesus adds to the list here theft and murder, pride and foolishness. Romans chapter 1, Paul adds gossip, being inventors of evil. Isn't that one interesting? An inventor of evil. And heartless. First Timothy 1, he adds specifically homosexuality and slavers and liars. I just want to say this. As we go through this list, is there an aspect of uncomfort for you as we go through this? I'm not saying uncomfort as far as, uh, wow, I'm embarrassed that you said that word that the Bible says. Um, I'm saying this. A level of uncomfort from the standpoint of I know that list. Or I, I know things in that list. I, I, I'm serious about this. I think if you're not uncomfortable right at this moment, I want to call you to, to reevaluate honesty with self. Because listen, friends, the reality when we look at this list, I know what it's like to be angry. Do you? I know what it's like to have idols of life. I know what it's like to lust. Do straight up. And so do you. So this list, when we read by it, I, I sure hope we don't just go right through it. I hope as we're going through this, it's kind of like, wow, I'm getting a little bit sweaty and comfortable. Uh, and here, look at this. Verse 21, and things like these. And Paul says, I warn you as I warned you before. You see, I think Paul understands the fact that these are things that these people can relate to. Paul had warned them before about these. Why would he warn them before about these? Because they know these. And so even in the discussion of it, he's saying, listen, we've talked about these things before. These are realities in life. I've warned you about these. And then go on, verse 21. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Stop. Because in light of what I just said, that we all know about these things, is this saying that uh, the person that does this loses their salvation? a great question. Let me kind of take 30 seconds to answer it. No, 
Let me take a little bit of time to answer it. One of the things, English Standard Version and the King James Version have the, the translation and the verb here, the participle here of do. And frankly, it's not my favorite translation of this because it does give the impression that if you do this, and that kind of feels like, I've done that, all right? Okay, now the New American Standard Version, who, what does it say? That if you practice, that if you participate in this, I like that practice better because it's talking about, it's not just like, oh, I got angry yesterday. It's kind of like, practice this. Okay, I think actually the New International Version hits this one. And what does that say? If you live like this. Uh, you see, this is a present active participle. And so what it's really talking about is, is it's talking about something of duration. It's something that's ongoing. It's something that's a continual habit of life. Okay? So as we look at this, what Paul is really saying is very much what 1 John 3 says. The person who makes a practice of sinning, we're talking about a practice of these kinds of things. Uh, it, it's the type of situation where you, you look at this and you go, man, this is who I am. This, is, this characterizes my life. It's been the unregenerate reality showing itself in my life again and again and again and again. Let me go back to the lawn. Uh, see, I, I don't know if you've been wondering why I put this picture up, but if you were to drive by this lawn with all these dandelions, you would pretty much say this. This person could care less about the grass, right? And notice how it produces itself, multiplies on and on and on. And it's like, my goodness, what does that tell you about that person who owns that? That actually tells you quite a bit. That's kind of what this is saying. They've come to a place to where it's allowed, just the weeds have allowed to overtake it, and it's on and going and going and going and going. Okay, so this is not talking about losing your salvation. But it is asking the question of duration. If there's a duration reality where my life has been left unto myself, I need to ask myself the question, where am I at? And I do want to say, I think this is an appropriate moment to pause and to ask the question, what has your life been showing over the months and years? What has your life been showing over the months and years? I'm just going to add this. As I meet with people who have life duration sin issues, evidences of the flesh, I just have no problem going back and challenging their salvation. Yeah, but see, Doug, when I was five years old, 10 years old, 20 years ago, well, I, I, I went forward. Well, I was baptized five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Okay, fine. But I want to love serve you enough to be able to ask the question of Galatians 5.13. Are these evidences of your life? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says that there will be people who will come to him and go, Lord, Lord, and he will go, I never knew you. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm trying to be loving. 
and asking the question for real. Listen, the Bible's real enough about it. The Bible's straight up enough about it to put it out there. The question is, is what does the last months or what does the last years of my life show? And I would say if uh, some of those have characterized your life for a long time, listen, don't be proud. Don't, 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 don't be silly with the Lord. Drive the stake. And please understand, this is not a re-receive Christ. This is the question of, were you ever really truly saved? Yeah, but I was. Listen, is it worth the argument? I just want to put the challenge out on the table and love serve you enough with it. It's too important. Well, the next word in verse 22, I love, but. Okay? The word but here provides us with a contrast. But the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, I wish I had more time to spend on this, but I want to spend a little bit on this fruit thing. Uh, What was the word that described, the action word that described the flesh? Works. The laboring. Works are non-living in essence, what I was talking about. Here it's talking about fruit. Fruit has life. A punch press does not have life, but a fruit has life to it. It's so cool how the Spirit of God had Paul pen these contrasting words down. But the fruit of the Spirit, fruit is living. It, it contains life. This last week on the Food Channel, uh, I was watching a thing about strawberries, and it had a picture. Uh, the science kind of guy, I forget his name. But the science guy, I love him. And so he's on there and he has a strawberry. There are 200 seeds on a mature, ripe strawberry. You know those little things on the outside of it? What does that tell you? That tells you that a fruit that is living can produce something that is living. And a fruit can multiply itself 200-fold. Oh, that's 200 plants that produce multiple strawberries in each. Listen, within a fruit contains the opportunity for multi-flowing out implications from it. I love the fact it's the fruit of the Spirit. Living things produce living things. By the way, it's not me that's living. It's the Spirit of God in me that's living. It's not you, believer in Christ, that's living. It's the Spirit of God in you that's brought life to you and in you. And he can produce life in and through you. Terminology note. There's, the Bible talks about the gift of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is salvation. The gifts of the Spirit, uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, have to do with those, uh, we'll call them uniquely equipped uh, uh, abilities of the believer to be able to serve other people, the gifts of uh, of administration, leadership, the gift of pastoring, the gift of uh, the, the gift of love. The, uh, I'm sorry, the, the gift of what are some of them? Mercy. I'm going blank. Okay, there's a whole list of them, right? Okay, those gifts. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, there's gifts of the Spirit. Here we're talking about fruit of the Spirit. We're really talking about the character produced, of uh, God's character produced out of me because of the Spirit of God. And I want to say this, so often in church world today, people are so enamored by the gifts of the Spirit that the fruit of the Spirit is like the lost child. 
And can I just say this while we're here? Okay, I will. I wish we would key in on the fruits of the Spirit. Because I'm just going to tell you, the gift, the gifting that God has put in you, believer, it's just going to show. It's just going to be there. And sometimes it's like, I've got to know what my gift is. I've got to know what my gift is. I've got to know. I can't like do anything for the Lord until I know what my spiritual gift is. Hey, chill out and live the fruits of the Spirit. Okay? Let's be a fruit of the Spirit-driven church. Uh, in this. Okay, nine characteristics Paul lists of fruits of the Spirit. All of these are inextricably related to one another. First one is what? Love. Agape. It's a d- divine love, God's gift to us. Romans 5 says, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts, and I love this, through the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, supernatural delight in the purposes and plans of God. It's this deep down sense of that all is well. It's holy optimism. I'm not saying like, let's think positive. It's holy optimism in the fact that God is sovereign and Jesus Christ has everything in control. And regardless what comes my way, regardless what hits my boat, regardless of arm tries to wipe me out, God is still on the throne and he's going right where he wants everything to go. Hey, politically on the planet, around the world, let me tell you something. God is still on the throne and everything's going just the way he wants. Not that he takes glory in sin, but it's all going for his purposes. Okay? It's all there. That's why we can have joy, love, joy, peace, that tranquility in mind. Listen, as I just said that, you just go, oh, peace. That's right, because the sovereign God is in control over all things. And I can have peace knowing that that Christ is moving all things together. I can have peace when I do what's right, James says. And then patience, that calm willingness to to work through painting situations. It's enduring uh, kindness, tender concerns for others. I love in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, one of my favorite chapters, Paul talks about how he ministered to the people in Thessalonica. He says, I was like a father, and he says, I was like a mother to you. Now, the term in the Greek for the mother is talking about a nursing mother. Just that, I loved you. I was gentle, kind among you. Goodness, that attitude, action, of doing good to all. Faithfulness, characteristic of loyalty and trustworthiness gentleness, meekness, the right use of power, not asserting self, self self-control, the restraining of passions and appetites. Uh, Okay, so how do all these things look? Very simple. One answer, one word, Jesus. Hey, if you want to know what the fruits of the Spirit look like, go read the Gospels. And take a look. Jesus Christ is the defining example of every one of these. If you want to really know what love looks like, look to Jesus. If you want to know what joy looks like, that supernatural delight, even when life is hard, (laughs) yeah, Jesus. If we want to understand what peace is, you know what, in the Gospels, you never see Jesus like, oh man, I didn't get good sleep last night because I'm really nervous about what's going to take place today. I mean, he's sleeping in a boat in a storm. Uh, Patience, 
Oh my goodness, why he did not zap those boys? Kindness, <laughs> goodness, faithfulness. Garden of Gethsemane. Oh God, if there's any father, if there's any way you can take this away from me, please take it away. But not my will, your will. Wow. Faithfulness to the cross. Gentleness. Self-control. Man, why he didn't just like go and just because of the crowning one of them all, love. So many other things we could go to, but I need to wrap it up. We've seen two contrasting lists here. Works of the flesh, fruits of the spirit. Um, so I want to bring it home to my own lawn. I want to bring it home to your lawn. Because this is the reality, if you know Christ, this is the reality of life in just a little segment of our life, okay? This isn't a place that is like everybody's walking around with a lawn before. If you do, I want to come to your house and play. But this is the reality of life for us. So let me just kind of give us a couple things here. Number one, I would challenge us that we need to get it. I need to get it. What do I mean by that? I need to get God's picture. I need to get God's plan. I need to get God's call, the call that Christ has for me. Listen, Paul got it. I love the way he states it in Philippians chapter 3. Paul gets it. But whatever was to my prophet, kind of pre-Christ, or whatever I was all about, whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I've lost all things that I may be conformed to him, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which is through faith in Christ. I want to know Christ. That's called getting it. That's called coming to that place of, listen, my life isn't about me. My life isn't even about my happiness. My life was here and created to be able to be a 24-7 God worshiper for life. And now because of Christ, I have the opportunity. God desires that I bring him glory in my life. God desires that I'm a love serving of one another kind of a child of God. God deserves, desires that I'm walking by the spirit kind of a, an adopted child, progressing in my partnership with, uh, with the spirit, pursuing Christ-like character and having that motivation, the desire. Listen, I want that because that's what gives God glory. Okay? I want to get it. Secondly, I need to get after it. I need to get after it. I need to get it, and I need to get after it. Uh, I'm told that there are two necessary steps in a good lawn, and oftentimes we focus on one. Uh, let's actually read verse 24 here, and I'll fill you in. Verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, one of the things in a lawn is you go after the weeds. Kill it. Kill it. Now, that means that here, seriously, as a follower of Christ, I'm kind of like in the Psalms like David. I'm walking my life lawn, and I'm looking around, and I'm examining my lawn, and I'm like, oh, oh, 
don't like that there. That's not part of what God wants to have been growing out of my life. I need to get after that thing. I need to kill it. I need to identify myself in Christ here, it says. And those who belong to Christ. Listen, I'm in Christ. The sin curse has been broken. I need to be like Romans 12, 9. I need to abhor evil. I walk my line, looking along, abhorring evil, and do the Joseph run. You know, Joseph's in this place with Potiphar's wife. Hey, baby. And he's like, how can I sin against my God? That is a tremendous statement. We understood what was happening in his mind. How can I sin against my God? And then he hightails it out of there. So here's the image, all right, for you to walk away with today. All right, just so I don't whack someone. The sprayer's in the back. And I'm walking around in life with my life lawn, and when I see something in my life, I'm aware of it. I want to get rid of it. I grab it. Now, don't use Roundup. You see, Roundup kills everything. Uh, that's kind of legalism. You see, you come around and we're so bent about just killing everything. Instead, it was years ago, I got this giant container of Banville. Banville is a, a broadleaf uh, killer. Oh, I love that stuff. Banville goes after the dandelion but doesn't kill the grass. So if I could relate it to real life as we're going around, get ready to squirt. We're putting the banville in. We're going around in life, and we're getting after the things in my life that are like the flesh that show themselves. And I'm trying to be someone who's killing it, getting after it, okay? But now, it's not just about killing the weeds. It's about feeding the grass, okay? The other big thing is feed it. And we don't want to be the kind of church that's just about kill the weed, kill the, kill the beast, kill the beast. We want to be the kind of church that's feeding the lawn because one of the best, the people who know better than I know, say that one of the best things to help get rid of weeds is a healthy, strong lawn. So I need to be the kind of person that, yeah, I am getting after areas of my life that need to be changed with real seriousness. By the way, I'm not grabbing the leaves and going, <laughs> that just like takes it out for like, what, two hours it seems like? No, it's got to be systemic and go down to the root, go down to the heart. What's going on? I put barriers. I get after it, get other people. But also when I'm feeding it, I'm in the word. I'm having the word of God available for the spirit of God to use the word of God in my life. I'm feeding that. I'm putting myself around, uh, myself around other people so that other people can be helping me, keeping me accountable, loving on me, encouraging me, challenging me. I'm putting myself around people so the Spirit of God can use them in my life. I'm in the Word of God. I'm around other people. And I'm walking by the Spirit. And I'm feeding. Excuse me. And I want to feed and feed and feed. Do I look dorky? You know what? It's worth it if you remember. Okay? The works of the flesh produce nothing, nothing living. Walking by the Spirit, participation of progressively advancing together produces fruit. By the way, not my fruit, the Spirit's fruit through my life. Let's be people 
that foster that to take place because when little fruit gets out there, it's got seeds within it that multiply and reproduce. All at God's hand. Hey, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us, your patience with us, your kindness towards us. Father, I do. I pray that we would be the type of people that are humble. The kind of people who are willing to examine our life. And Lord, if there's someone here today that's just been challenged or maybe even uh, bothered by the fact of the discussion about the works of the flesh with that, I I pray that would all be about a a a thing between them and you. An evaluation of where are they at. And Lord, if there really has not been fruit, God, I pray that they would just hear from you. That they would understand that there's hope. I pray that they would humble themselves and repent and receive Christ. If there's anyone like that today after the service, there'll be some people down here who'd love to help you or someone you came with. But Lord, I also pray for those who know Christ that this would be a challenge to us. Man, God, we shouldn't be about people that are playing around in the flesh world. It's dead world. Instead, Lord, I pray we'd be the kind of people that just get the call and are the kind of people that get after it. The scripture tells us that it is you who works in us to will and to want. That's such a neat tension. You do it, but yet we have a responsibility in it as well. I can't even fully explain it, but that's the reality of it. May we be the kind of people that are getting after it, examining areas of our life, and God pulling out the banville, pulling out the word, laying ourselves before you, putting the things in place, working to get some help from someone else in that area, and God, so that we would grow and kill that beast. Lord, I really pray we'd be the kind of people that just are about feeding the lawn, feeding the Spirit, just providing a a rich soil place for the Spirit of God, for you to do a work in and through us in great many ways. God, thank you. We get to be a part of you. Amazing. Glory to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.